0: Hello, and welcome to our first official episode of The Morbid Museum. We are your hosts, Katie Mead.
1: Luke Boyd.
0: <laughs> and today, we will be touring you through the wonderful world of death masks. Ooh. Yay. Ooh. Hi. <sighs> <laughs> That's the crowd cheering for the death. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by this very large glass of rosé that I poured myself <laughs> because I really felt like, for the first time in a long time, I was writing a book report. <laughs> yeah, and getting ready to present it to the class, and I am very nervous.
1: You're about to share all this work with us. I I'm know. so excited and, for you.
0: And let me just put this out there that while I do have a master's degree in a field of uh, writing and research I have not flexed these muscles in a little while Uh, so I I am not an expert on death masks but God knows I'm going to try to sound like one and I apologize for anything I get wrong along the way
1: we're here to help and yeah don't add us in the comments okay we're all going going through something privately okay (laughs) everyone's fighting their own battles you have no idea you have no idea (laughs) what I've been through with death masks
0: (laughs) So the first question you may be asking yourself is, what is a death mask? (laughs) What is a death mask, you say? A death mask, as defined by the Encyclopedia Britannica, is a wax or plaster cast of a mold taken from the face of a dead individual. Death masks are true portraits, although changes are occasionally made to the eyes of the mask to make it appear as though the subject were alive. That is the direct definition from Encyclopedia Britannica, and uh, it's it's pretty dead on. And I think it's I think it's explains what it is fairly well. I'll go into more detail about how they're made, so that you have more of a visual there. Um, but. I want to go back for a second and think about the definition I just gave you and let that sink into your mind that someone you love has died and your first instinct is man I would love to have a cast of their face in the worst possible moment of their life <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is how I want to remember them <laughs> so I imagine this is this is a practice that was a way of preserving the likeness of someone, when there wasn't other ways of doing that, like photography or other means of capturing impressions.
0: You are one hundred percent correct, and actually, as we go way in the past, we're going to see this really interesting evolution of the mm. mask and and sort of its its functionality. Um, so
1: creepy as fuck.
0: Yeah. So one one thing I do want to note here is you may come across a mask at some point in your life, one of these um, plaster looking things and think that it's a death mask, but it might in fact be a life mask. And it's pretty self-explanatory what the difference is between the two. (laughs) One is taken when an individual is passed on. And the other is when the person willingly sits to have the cast on. And there are far more life masks created between, you know, the sands of time till today. I mean, people still get that stuff done all the time. Um, Death masks are a little bit more uh, out of fashion these days, let's say. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I think I'm much cooler with a life mask if anybody wants to give me a life mask. And I don't know. I mean, if I'm dead, I don't really care, but I don't really want to own one. Like not of someone I love. (laughs) <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be cool to own one of someone. I don't know, but like someone cool. You know what I mean? No, it's different
1: than like grandma's ashes are in an urn over the fireplace, as opposed to well, we keep her face in this closet because we want to scare people. Like this graven <laughs> object that just cannot come out. It's just it's 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 extremely creepy. And you're right. And the and the death mask is is stained with that reality that the person is dead. And you know, yeah. is it tragic? Is it natural causes? You know. Um, yeah,
0: exactly. And that's the thing, too, that you're going to see it um, a variety of ages as well. So it could really tell. That's the cool thing about death masks is it actually tells you a very interesting story sometimes about the individual and makes you think a lot about the individual in their life.
1: Right. Like so, Abraham Lincoln having more fan syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: Controversial, because a lot of people think this. There is no death mask of Abraham Lincoln. Is that right? That is right. A lot of people think that. I actually thought that for a long time. Uh, The truth is that there was one that was made of him uh, at the beginning of his presidency when he was a young, spry, handsome thing. And then one that was done like, I think it was two months before he was assassinated. Mm. And the differences in the face and, and you see yeah. it in paintings of him as well that he or, or even the photos that they had that he sat for. Uh, he aged terribly. He oh, he my gosh. Between, uh, you know, his his suspected illness and I mean, you know, being the president during one of the worst times in the country.
1: <laughs> right. You,
0: you're you going to get some wrinkles you to get actually, some wrinkles.
1: I've actually handled a death mask. Or I guess they were life masks because when I when I was a graduate student at, in Connecticut, we did a Civil War exhibit mm. and they had the two the two masks the bulk of, of Lincoln. I'm not sure who was the maker or whatever, but they're copies, you know. So these were passed around and I guess made a lot as sort of tokens and souvenirs and they were just yeah they were bookends to to this to this exhibit yeah. of of the crime. i mean cuz lincoln's life is so it's a, a, essentially bookended by the civil war and yeah seeing the tension the pain the loss of suffering mm-hmm. you know 680,000 people something like that you know killed over the conflict that's, and part he, of it is on your head yeah yeah no it's that true that has been
0: perfectly casted
1: (laughs) perfectly cast and you can see that mole from a mile away that's abraham
0: lincoln's mole y'all it's just yeah and what an incredible thing and this is something that is important to note as well and in why these things are still important is because of these kinds of uh masks they have been able to use technology to make 3d replicas and put skin on the face and think this is really what this person could have looked like so it's an incredible incredible artifact and i'm so excited to tell you more about it uh my personal opinions aside whether or not i enjoy them i actually doing this has made me love them even more honestly i i have a much greater adoration for them than i previously did i still don't want one of someone i love let yeah, that be we, known jay my husband don't even think yeah, about it
1: please don't send us shrunken heads I please don't, don't. yeah don't send us anything like that
0: thank you Thanks. um so death maps have been so incredibly important to so many cultures for a wide variety of reasons. Uh, you could consider them one of the earliest versions of photography, as you mentioned, Luke. Uh, the, there are very few other early mediums that I could possibly think of that capture the human face perfectly. It really right. is such a special thing. Mm-hmm. That, and ha- that has been done for, we're talking thousands of years. That's how long ago. This practice right, like, like actually Julia, starts like
1: Julius Caesar, right? That he Oh one?
0: wait. Just wait, babe. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously my <laughs> uh, this was obviously helpful for memorializing but it also even helped identify the dead in a situation where a body was discovered with no identity. So um actually I have a very good story about that that's coming later in this episode. So hang on to your horses. Hang on to your hold on to your horses. Hold on to your horses. <laughs>
1: please don't hang them that's,
0: <laughs> that's a different episode <laughs> that's the blazing saddles episode <laughs> I guess. okay so before we get into any of the history which is going to take up the bulk of this episode let's talk about how how do you make one so uh regardless of whether your person is dead or alive <laughs> the first thing you need is a face get yourself a face once you have a face, you're going to need to place some kind of a lubricant on the skin. Now, what this was in the past versus what they would use now, I don't have Ooh. all the research on that. Uh, God knows, probably some kind of horrible animal some,
1: fat. Some things are better left unexplored.
0: Yeah, probably
1: <laughs> lard, tallow, you name it. Yeah, no,
0: it's always it always comes back to lard. I feel
1: it, like. It really does. It <laughs> does. Uh,
0: so, oh, and another thing that I had that you're going to need that I had read about. This is such a, as you can imagine, messy process that you actually want to put some kind of a dish or a pan that's cut to fit around the face in case there's any overspill in the process. Um, And now that the skin is, you know, as prepared as it can be for the next part, assuming the individual is dead, you don't have to worry about breathing. (laughs) Right. So that's enough. That is definitely an advantage to doing a death mask over a life mask. You don't really have to worry about the subject.
1: Uh, right. But Just you do, sorry, bloating like, and death rattling and other terrible things.
0: Correct. <laughs> well, I have a story about that too. Oh, yes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, these days they pour uh, alginate. I believe is how it's pronounced on top of the face once the skin is prepared. And that's basically the same stuff that they would use in dental impressions. It's a powder that becomes um, kind of a pancake batter consistency once you add water to it. Like a slurry, if you will.
1: Oh, sure. I know about <laughs> oh, slurry.
0: Sh- oh, sure. Uh, that part dries in about three minutes. And then you start piling on your strips of fabric soaked in plaster of Paris. We've all had to do a paper mache in our time. I know Gross. you have. Yes. I have. I. Absolutely hated that project in school.
1: <laughs> Something about the smell of that glue, oh. that Elmer's, like, ooh.
0: Mm, yeah, no, and, that's someone's piece of heaven, but it's not mine. I'll tell you that. I have,
1: t- I have, I have tactile issues. Some yeah, we're, ga- we're gallery people. We're not. <laughs> in we're not in the studio. I don't okay? want to
0: touch. I don't want to touch. <laughs> uh, so anyway, once that has set, uh, you will officially have a mold of the face, and then you can use that mold. You you take plaster or if you're talking about in the way way back uh wax or Mm. terracotta a variety of different mediums you pour that into your mold and then bada bing bada bang bada boom you got yourself a mask simple as that simple as that so simple so it's Um, just
1: a a wet and dry you don't have to fire it or burn it or kill no no
0: No. that's it it's so Hmm. simple right i think what whatever you do next with the mask You know, if you're going to turn it into a bronze statue, then of course, yes, then it gets a lot more technical. But uh, that's that. I do have an interesting link from uh, the Cypress College Mortuary uh, science students class. They were making death masks. Cool. How cool is that? Yeah, so you get to actually watch them do it. And what's really funny and what I loved about the video was it starts with each of them actually first made their own. Like face, and they did it after a celebrity, and you have to see how bad some of the sculptures are.
1: Oh my like, there's god! One of,
0: supposed to be Robert De Niro, and he just like it looks like he had his face bashed.
1: <laughs> oh, Robert! See? Listen, listen. a mole. It's like Lincoln. Just another mole.
0: They're mortuary scientists. That's not their job. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> what a what a fun job that must this be. This
1: would be a great living history demo, I think, for uh, for a museum. Definitely. A death, a death mask demo. Yeah.
0: And there Lord knows there's plenty of places that have death masks death masks. I am struggling to say that. I have been for
1: for days talking about this. Yeah, it's that tension, the tension of the consonants there. It's a tough one.
0: Yeah, it's a hard one. Anyway. (laughs) I'm sure by the end of this I won't have said it wrong six (laughs) hundred times, maybe only three (laughs) hundred times. Anyway, let's uh let's put on our time traveler hats now and we're gonna go Way way back. Let's go. <laughs> so let's let's go. Let's go. So initially, we're going to look at uh, funeral masks or funerary masks. Uh, Luke, are you familiar with them?
1: A funer a funerary mask.
0: A funerary. It's funerary. funerary.
1: Never heard of it. Or funerary. Never heard I it. Never never wore it. Never did
0: it. <laughs> I will definitely send you. Uh, some photos so that you can take a look at some good examples of that. But basically, you you have seen one. You just don't know that you've seen one.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't and I'll
0: sense. and I'll tell you who that person is in a second. Uh, so, looking at funerary masks first, it would seem that covering the face of a deceased person is really the earliest rendition that we have of a death mask. Although it functioned completely differently. Whereas the death mask that we know and love was really more about memorializing an individual, remembering what they looked like. Uh, These masks were actually placed on the faces of the deceased and buried with them. So immediately, for any of my history nerds, you know, think about what you know about the burial practices of these ancient civilizations, why do you think they would do that? It's all tied into religion, right? It's all tied into the their belief systems. Mm. So what was really interesting, and I found this in my research, was that I had no idea how many cultures practice this and how many of these masks amazingly have been uncovered. And they're all really different depending on what culture they come from. Uh, and are we, going in,
1: are we going in ancient alien territory? Can you, can I, are this going? is legit. I swear. to. <laughs> you. I'm into it. I'm there. I, I want it. I swear on Barbara Streisand I'm
0: and I don't do that, that lightly. <laughs> ready for the Anunnaki. Let's oh. go. <laughs> no, I, okay. I, I am not okay with that shit. That shit is racist <laughs> and I will not, I will not take part in it. No, this is a hundred percent real. Uh. So Yeah. Pretty much the common thread, like I said, is sort of more of a spiritual or religious one. Uh, you're not just representing the facial features of the deceased person, uh, but the idea is it's helping them in some way as they cross over to the spirit world. So you might be helping guide the spirit back to the body because apparently your body, your spirit wouldn't recognize you if you didn't have your face on.
1: um (laughs) where's my body that couldn't be me that's way too ugly and gross that's
0: legit like if you if your Mm. face is gold i'm gonna find you a lot easier Mm. right um also the idea of scaring away bad spirits always uh of course or to even kick the spirit out of the person's body so that they can get into the spirit world like basically an eviction (laughs) notice (laughs) In, in the form of a face mask uh, but practically speaking, and I did not see this in me- my research, so this is pure speculation on my part, when I thought about it, thinking about when this takes place and sort of the cultures of this, this I mean, in general, even now, when you think about the period between death and funeral and burial, that can be a lot of days, right? Mm-hmm. And I, again, I do not pretend to be an expert on ancient civilizations. <laughs> I'm barely an expert on what I made for dinner tonight. <laughs> but specifically, ancient civilizations. I don't know the the lapse of time, but I do know that faces don't look good for very long once they right. are dead. Right. So I'm sure this also practically was covering up any, you know,
1: disgustingness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you wouldn't recognize yourself, of course. So, right. so put an icon of yourself in your best light, your golden visage. Exactly. I love it.
0: So uh, that is that is m- me creating an assumption not based on research. So So
1: is this something they did in like ancient Egypt? Oh, oh you, here we go.
0: Here we go. The <laughs> most famous funerary mask that has that pretty much anyone with a middle school education and above should should be able to recognize. hard. I- depends on if they've gone through the american education system. But in theory, they should be able to recognize this mask and I'll give you one guess who that mask belongs to.
1: Okay, I'm ready. You, you one guess, you get to guess. Oh, oh I <laughs> get the guess. It's it's King Tut. Is it King Tut? got it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say like one of the other ones like ramsey or some shit but that would have been too obscure.
0: No, no, that, that's why I'm saying every uh, You'd be hard-pressed to find someone who has a complete education. I think that's like sixth-grade education you really go in Absolutely. on. Absolutely. So anyway, yes. So that gives you an idea of how long this has been a practice. Uh, that particular mask is dated to be about 1350 B.C.?
1: Wow. Uh,
0: but some some historians actually think that the practice in general, uh, with as far as the Egyptians are concerned, goes back to at least the 1900s B.C.,
1: which so is, that like so that golden image we've seen on the front of the sarcophagus, yes, is like a, is pretty much a death mask or a funerary mask that's been fashioned into a decorative item. Sorry, I took a huge sip of my wine when no, you asked me so that. Good.
0: And yes, correct. So wow, yeah, we're we're putting these in a similar category as death mask, but they really are their own thing.
1: It's a precursor. Yeah,
0: so you could consider this part of the, like I said before, the evolution. So obviously, we're talking about way in the past and as I mentioned before, this includes a lot of different cultures. Uh, At about 1400 BC, they've found um, gold masks from the uh, Mycenaean tombs. Similar kind of gold looking masks from Cambodia and then Siam, now Thailand. Uh, you have, In- uh, you know, the Incans, uh, Peruvians, Mexican, the list goes on and on. It's And I really I had no idea. And it's it's incredible. I could write oh, an entire book just on this, but I'm not going to because people have and they're better at that than I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's something that's cross-cultural. It's across time, cross Incredibly. across continents. It's yeah. a human practice. It's fascinating.
0: And equally human is that uh just just as in life today, if you were super wealthy, you had a baller mask.
1: <laughs> so you
0: know there ain't there ain't no poor people getting those gold king tut <laughs> Funerary mask.
1: My funerary mask is bigger than your mask. It's right. more gold. It's better detailed. It has a bigger exactly. chin beard. More jewels.
0: Yeah. More <laughs> more turquoise. Uh yeah. So you know, it's it's so sad that even in death <laughs> You were broke ass. Right.
1: I couldn't afford two eyeballs for my death mask because I'm poor. So I just got like a, like a fake face. Just yes. like a couple of beans in my eyeballs.
0: And, you know, the, it also tells us part of the story too of how different these religions are in, in these cultures is that the perception of afterlife and the, certainly with the Egyptians, the idea of you're taking it all with you when you go. Mm. Right? Like that's not very Judeo-Christian. Um, as we know that you kind of, it's just you in that coffin or whatever. So, uh, but this is getting into a totally different topic, which we absolutely will cover in the future. I would love to go down a mummification rabbit hole with you.
1: Mummification rundown. A mummification
0: rundown. So yes, that's for a future episode for sure. So now, now we fast forward that's us fasting forward. Yeah, what's fasting our time forward?
1: Our timestamp, Captain.
0: <laughs> that's not how that works. Uh, <laughs> we're fast forwarding <laughs> a bunch of years to the Romans. Yay! I love it. Yes. Now this is really where we start to see a de- the idea of the death mask. This really works as sort of the in between those last bats we're talking about and the death mask as we know it now. I don't know if you've ever studied the uh funereal customs of the romans or the greeks but they are crazy interesting
1: i would love to learn more
0: um i'm not going to tell you
1: (laughs) oh okay where do i sign up for this master class i need to know everything i don't know anything all i know about is pompeii and uh the parthenon it's all i know <laughs> that is
0: to say i don't have time to tell you all of it <laughs> i will tell you a few things i had to study it uh in graduate school because i when you are studying dramaturgy which is what i have my master's in you study a lot of greek and roman Escalus theater and, and, and therefore Euripidism. you also yes and therefore you mm. should also understand their lives and mm. death is a big part of their lives so anyway it was very showy To say the least. And so they actually had death masks as part of the funeral procession. And it wasn't the dead individual wearing the death mask. It was actually a living individual wearing a death
1: mask. Plot twist.
0: Usually an actor. They hired actors for
1: these funerals. Why have I not heard about this? That's what I'm saying. This is amazing.
0: No, you should honestly... I have a I have books that I could give you about well, this because it's so amazing.
1: And there's something about the performance of funerals. Yes. Like, and
0: so and they're not just necessarily playing the individual that's currently being processed, the current deceased. They will wear masks of that family's ancestors.
1: Oh, it's a
0: whole thing. It's oh, a whole thing.
1: They roll out the whole family. Yes. How cool is that? That's really cool.
0: Yeah. That is so really interesting. These masks were actually known as. They are spelt imagines. Mm. I want to believe that that's how it's pronounced as well because I could not find a different pronunciation. But basically, that literally means a copy or likeness.
1: Mm. So that
0: makes perfect sense that this would be the real first death mask because that's the, the function of a death mask, right? So, yeah, they're not being buried with them. We have shifted from a purely spiritual purpose to now a true memorial purpose. With the Romans, so there you have it.
1: I could only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate you. <laughs> Couldn't resist.
0: So the we are now officially in the world of the death mask, and so we are once again flashing forward quite a bit to uh, the 14th century. Skipped a few years. <laughs> what I like where we're going. I like how this is uh-huh. going. This is good. Mm-hmm. And by no means does that mean death masks didn't happen. But unfortunately, the earliest surviving example that we have of an identifiable death mask is from 1377, and that is with the death of King Edward III of England. Oh, cool. Yeah. So his is, the thing with his is that his face apparently looks a bit weird, Mm. but it's for a very interesting reason. He died from a stroke.
1: (sighs) Oh, no. Yeah. And then the the rigor mortis. Oh. Right. So,
0: and again, I have no idea. There's no record of when the mask might have been done. So, great point. Rigor mortis, skin is already changing and shifting, but he clearly has a facial weakness of some kind from having a stroke. So, it's again, it's telling us a story about this person's death.
1: Quite a uh, document, document of how it is. It, it is,
0: yeah. So very cool. Tremendous insight into uh, this particular person's life, and a lot of the masks are able to do that in general. Uh, a good example uh, is the uh, the Lincoln ones that we just talked about in terms of life masks. But there's another mm-hmm. good example of uh, there is a Beethoven death mask, and it's actually hung directly next to his life mask, and you see how gaunt he became mm. by the time he passed. So. They don't necessarily tell happy stories, but no, they tell interesting tortured. stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Fairly heartbreaking. Um, but going back to the Edward III mask, uh, that mask and his effigy now lie in the Westminster Abbey collection. And real quick, for anybody who doesn't know uh, what an effigy is, that's essentially a statue of some kind that's standing in for an actual person. Uh, it's usually has a soft body. Maybe the hands are wood or even the face is wood. Uh, it's as absolutely creepy as it sounds. You might have heard the term to burn someone in effigy. Mm-hmm. That's what that means. They're taking sort of a fake rendition of someone and lighting it on fire just to say, Hey, fuck
1: you. Right. A straw voodoo doll. We're going to burn you. Exactly. Yes. Gross. Is that a good definition? Um, <laughs> hey, yeah. I mean, you? And, we, and we were doing that, we, the Americans were doing that to King George, right? Mm-hmm. We
0: sure st- did that. Stringing, did stringing that.
1: them up and burning Any them. Any of the yeah. tax
0: collectors at the time too? Mm, we were all yeah. over that. Uh, so, uh, Eddie there in Westminster Abbey is in great company. They have a lot of death masks uh, accompanied by effigies, including uh, Henry Seventh, Mary Queen of Scots, Oliver Ooh. Cromwell. Oh, it's a veritable
1: who's who, Luke. It's a Hall of Fame.
0: <laughs> it's a Hall of Fame, yes. So this really kicks death masks off for <laughs> centuries to come. Uh, and here's the thing. In my research, I can't tell if it's just bias because everything skews white and European... Mm-hmm. Or if it really was just a practice that mostly took place in Western Europe and the United States. Because I can't really find it in the East at all, Africa, South. I haven't I haven't seen any other evidence of it being popular elsewhere. There might be like a version of it, but this particular version of the death mess, I haven't seen any of that in my research. So if anybody uh, can throw anything my way that says otherwise, I would love to know. Uh, Because I just, I
1: have no idea. Uh, I think you're hitting on something there, though, you know, that um, outside of the narrow perspective that maybe many of us share in terms of how we treat death, there's a lot of variety when you when you get out of that sort of Euro American Mm -hmm. feedback loop, you know. When you travel or see other, you know, cemeteries or burial grounds or mourning practices, um, you get a sense of that diversity. And maybe that's part of it is that narrow echo chamber that we're so used to.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So that was a a not unsurprising part of Mm. this research, but still disappointing. I was, however, very happy to see how much uh, documentation there was for the funerary masks all over the place. That was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, if anybody knows anything else about this, please let me know. Uh, the other tricky thing with the masks that do exist, there aren't really a ton of super famous death masks that I'm able to find that are stored anywhere in particular. There's people, you know, who who buy these things as collector items or whatever. Um, but then there's also issues like, uh, you know, France lost a bunch of stuff because of World War II. Sure. This is always going to be a challenge. Uh, that's always going to be a challenge with a lot of things that are very Eurocentric is there are some wars that really wiped out a lot of stuff. So, uh, but there are some things that still exist. Um, we'll talk about some of the notables in uh, a very cool place in uh, Paris in a little bit. Mm. But uh, the real heyday, the most popular time for death masks, which was, when do you think, Luke? I'm going to guess between
1: 1837 and 1901.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The 19th century. There we are. What a wild time to be alive or to be dead for that matter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent at dying. So good at dying. So
0: good at dying. Yes. Uh, So, so much, so much death to come in that century.
1: (laughs) A world of pain, my friend
0: uh said according and this this was so interesting because it for me i just thought well you know it's just a dark period that's why it would have been popular but actually uh a few articles that i read including one from cnn said that it had a lot to do with the oh so popular victorian pseudoscience of phrenology
1: Oh, of course.
0: Right?
1: Wow. Yeah, my faculties.
0: Yes. So oh, um man. and again, if anybody is unfamiliar with what phrenology is, that was the literal study again a pseudoscience this isn't Mm -hmm, real (laughs) mm -hmm, (laughs) literal study of the shape of the human head and that in studying the human head simply its shape not its brain (laughs) not the inside parts Mm -hmm. just the outer shape of the head you could determine a human's characteristics their personality you know so
1: so in the same way we you know it's kind of weird to talk, talk about but i feel in the 20th century you hear about things like you know Hitler's brain, or like mm. you know, like there's these brains that are being collected or harvested for whatever reason—criminals, killers, thinkers, brilliant sure. savants, yeah, right. And maybe this is the same thing where it's like, oh, if we can preserve Lincoln's head, we can understand magnanimity or generosity of spirit, or you know, these these Absolutely. great characteristics about him. It's just so so interesting.
0: Yeah, and when you think about the doing a, a general you know if you're doing the cast of someone's face you are putting a a cap on their hair because you don't want all mm. the plaster and stuff to get in their hair so you would get a perfect uh, skull essentially mm. <laughs> that would be very easy for a phrenologist to futz around with
1: oh cool
0: so yeah it's right up right up their alley and apparently from uh, the 1820s to the 1840s uh, a leading british phrenologist and mask maker named james deville he accumulated some two thousand death
1: masks. See, you were talking about death mask collectors before. You just you just slipped it on by me. I didn't <laughs> say anything. I was like ah, <laughs> that is crazy. So the phrenologists, of course, they're collecting all the heads.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Makes and sense. And, they, and that and think about that though. That's just one guy had mm. two thousand of them. It's crazy. I mean, and who knows who he I had. And he might have right. been just you know regular people. But so like, are, are, getting, are these things getting are
1: these things really getting passed down through the generations? Like you know what I mean?
0: I think they- some of them are, and i and I think a lot of them also get donated,
1: okay, that makes sense,
0: yeah it depend i mean you know it depends on again was the individual of any importance or does their mask tell a particularly good story yeah. i think uh yeah it's an it that's an interesting question. I don't really have an answer for that, but it is a good question
1: um we're so, gonna yeah. get some funerary morbid uh, experts on the call. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Where are you? Are you out there? Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of leave leave the uh, the 19th century alone for now because I feel like we've got so much more to talk about there in many episodes to come. Uh, but we're gonna go forward a little bit. There's so many uh, more famous death masks. Uh, some of which even creep into the 20th century a little bit, mm. including John Dillinger, James Ooh. Dean being particularly famous death mask, and that's always been a big thing too. That's capturing, capturing criminal faces is a big thing that I wasn't totally aware of. Apparently, there's one of um, Burke of Burke and Hare. Mm. If anybody's familiar with that story, the those are the two men who were uh, selling cadavers. In, uh, I believe it was the 19th century in England. (laughs) And back then uh, surgeons would, would pay people to basically uh, grave rob, but it would turn out that these guys were actually just killing people. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> and then selling them, <laughs> but, oh gosh. but this is this is like Minority Report. Like you know, we can prevent mm-hmm. crime if we know if you have a Cro Magnon brow or some kind of cheekbone that you're more predisposed to be a murderer, right? Yeah, I think that, it's that the same. Crazy. It could
0: be the same thinking, and also yeah. just
1: like the, um,
0: you know, someone infamous like a John Dillinger, people will pay
1: for that. Ah, yes, that's true. You know, so yeah. and
0: I fe- and another thing we can talk about in a future episode is sort of again like the having photographs of death like that's such a Mm -hmm. thing um particularly once once photography was invented that was a thing people took pictures of a lot which was rather than a death mask this became the new thing of taking photographs of the dead and it's actually the main reason why the death mask is not popular anymore uh, you see it yeah. here and there, and I'll talk a little bit about uh, some cool modern examples of that as well. But photography really kind of stole the death mask's thunder. Right. We,
1: we, we found new ways to fetishize death in a way that exactly. was one hour developing. Yeah,
0: Yes, and now we have <laughs> the videos and social media. It's a mm-hmm. shit show. Mm-hmm. And really sad for actual uh, victims' families. Like I was reading a story today about uh, her name is Bianca. Mm, I, I'm so sorry. I can't think of her last name, but she is this young woman who was essentially murdered on social media and the images could keep getting circulated and her parents are trying to get them taken down and to make it illegal for them to be it's no really longer circulated. Impossible. But when you think about this history, this is, this is the origins of that. So how do you right. stop this? It's just when more abstract
1: somehow. Right.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. How do you stop? things like those horrible faces of death videos when there's a market as oh, horrible yeah. as it is, there's a market.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, it's like, imagine people at the Coliseum as people in the front row who are like clamoring for blood. And there's people like maybe like you and me looking through one eye and like the back row of the Coliseum, like, <laughs> you know, to me, it's all related to that kind of exhibitionism and, yeah. you know, this sort of feeling that like, looky loose, looky loose. you want to get a look
0: inside. Yeah. Right. But, because let's be honest and this is going to come up a lot on this podcast is people are obsessed with death. We are. We, bec- and some of us to a point where we think about it more than life because
1: that's a, a force that gives it, us meaning.
0: Yeah, it gives us meaning. It gives us a sense of control if we're constantly studying death or really figuring figuring it out or, you know, for other people it crushes their lives where they're they live in constant fear of death. So, I mean, it, it would be ridiculous to say <laughs> that this is probably going anywhere in terms of this kind of artistic fascination with death. Um, yeah, it just but getting goes back virtual. on track because we could do we could do this forever. Uh, I want to talk about the most famous death mask, a face that most people have definitely seen. It is the most replicated mask. and it belongs to that of, La Canoe de la Seine, the unknown woman of the Seine.
1: Wow. So, and how
0: would we know her? And get ready. So there's a lot of legend around her. And it's hard to know fact from fiction, as all good stories, I think, tend to be <laughs> that way. Uh, so mm-hmm. her her story, allegedly, her body is retrieved from the Seine River in Paris in Paris the 1870s or 1880s uh no one I've never been able to find an exact date in all of the research that I've done on her she evidently she drowned herself uh it's believed it was a suicide simply because there's no signs of violence of any kind uh on her body when she was brought into the morgue it it just seemed that this woman clearly just drowned Mm. um now, could someone have pushed her in? Sure. <laughs> and maybe I'm, she couldn't swim? I don't I keep,
1: know. I'm thinking about the staircase again. Here we go. I know.
0: Every what? time. Yeah. God damn it. Anyway. <laughs> so from there, there's two things that could have happened. One theory is, uh, you know, they were trying to uh, figure out who this woman was. So they got a plaster mold made of her face. They did a death mask as a way to hopefully identify her to maybe a loved one or a friend or mm-hmm. whoever would would find her like i mentioned earlier it could be used for identification purposes as well which is such a cool thing about the that side of the death mask uh but the more uh prevailing version of the story is that some creepo pathologist who was working at the morgue was so entranced by her com- by her calm, beauteous face and youth, and while I'm telling the story, Luke, I want you to Google real quick her face so you know the face that you're looking at. Um, and I want to hear what you think when you see her face. All right. You don't look at any of like the language on it because I don't want to give away the big surprise. But you I assume want you to I know how it. to
1: spell it. But yeah,
0: L apostrophe I N C O N U E D D E L A S.
1: Yes, she comes right
0: up. There you go. So just look at one of the masks. Okay. And describe her to, to me and
1: to our audience. She has a very, very normal looking face. She has, I mean, in these images, I'm seeing some hair on the side. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Elizabeth Cady Stanton to me, like, you know, like a very, like, uh, middle aged woman. Um, she's got it's high, so funny.
0: Sometimes she does look middle aged in some of it, but if you look at uh, some of the more, like, White alabastery mm. cast. She actually looks quite young.
1: She they does. They estimate like,
0: she was probably about sixteen.
1: That she looks the, very demure. Energy. Looks very demure in this angle.
0: Yes. So great observation. Uh, the one thing that may catch your eye when you look at her is: Does she look like someone who drowned?
1: No. She's extremely <laughs> peaceful. She's like beautiful. She's just. She looks like she's just closing her eyes.
0: Like an angel. Like an maybe angel. Like maybe someone. I don't know, posed for this, (laughs) that this was a model and not a drowned lady.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the drowned drowned lady story is so appealing.
0: Exactly. And it's about to get, it's about to get more appealing. So once that uh, Creepo pathologist ordered uh, to have a plaster mold of her face uh, in the decades that followed, her death mask was actually mass produced. It was produced so much that it was actually considered incredibly fashionable to have one in your house. Really? Yeah. And it became a worldwide phenomenon where a lot of people had these. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point if you're doing some kind of a – not a yard sale, but something – Something more. Chances are,
1: than, chances are, we've seen Lincoln on the road show.
0: The odds. Oh, you've definitely <laughs> seen her there for sure. Um, and there's a term that they use in in France, an uh, objet d'art. Have you ever heard that before? No. It's like an object of art, where it's basically like, oh, this is a must-have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I call those
1: I call those tchotchkes. <laughs> tchotchkes,
0: yeah, pretty much. <laughs> And she is uh, uh, essentially reduced to a, a tchotchke, I think, uh, right. at that time. She's um, the
1: simulacra. She's mass produced. But God. she was so hot.
0: She was so hot back then that some very, very cool, prominent people had her face, including uh, Nabokov and uh, actually Albert Camus.
1: He oh, referred sure. to her.
0: Yeah, he referred to her as the drowned Mona Lisa, which I think is a very good description based on her the expression on her face, where it's kind of like, what is she thinking about? Uh,
1: do you think there's a there's a special human fascination? Like death is fascinating on one level, but do you think there's a drowning like cult? Is there something there that's more interesting or more tragic or romantic? Even drowning.
0: Drowning, I think, is very romanticizable. I think it's used in a lot of uh, romantic stories of someone flinging themselves off a bridge because they can't mm-hmm. be with someone that they love. I think that's it. Yes, definitely. I think it is.
1: Right. Or to be like drowned in sorrow or, you know, drowned in drink, right. you know, something like telling right. ourselves, and I, of, well, we're water, we're made of water, you know.
0: Right. And I, for me, it's absolutely one of my greatest fears. Drowning sounds oh, it's absolutely horrible. And so, going back to the way we were talking about her face, only in more recent years have uh, the police, I believe there was an article in the BBC, um, you know, there's people who literally, for a living, as awful as a job as it is, who drudge up bodies from bodies of water. Um, sure terrible terrible job but it is it is a necessary job and they looked at this face and they said this woman didn't drown. That's not what a drowned face looks like.
1: I saw sassy <laughs> Lambs. Mm-mm. She was not drowned, okay? Remember when they pulled her body out of the water, <laughs> Buffalo Bill? Uh-uh, no.
0: <laughs> yeah, so gross. not to be overly overly gross, but essentially you alluded to it before but she should be considerably more bloated. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as gross as that is. However, for our purposes, we're going to go ahead and go with the fairy tale because it's a cooler story and it leads into the next part of this because you might still be saying like, Katie, you're full of shit. I don't know who this is. I don't know this lady's face. What do you mean? It's the most replicated and everybody knows who she is. Well, I'll tell you why, friends, because despite her being known as the drowned Mona Lisa, Olympia. Uh, millions of people actually know her better as Recessa Ann or Recessa Annie, the CPR mannequin.
1: No shit.
0: I just blew your mind. I just watched it blow out of your head. <laughs> oh my
1: God. <laughs> So, get ready. So, oh my God.
0: Get ready. So, in the mid 1950s, Dr. Peter uh, Safar, I believe is how you say his name, he was a pioneer in emergency medicine and he developed this method of mouth to mouth resuscitation combined with chest compression. He was the one who created CPR. Uh, So, he presented a paper on this technique in 1958 and he really felt that it shouldn't just be medical professionals who. Know how to do this life saving technique. Anyone and everyone should be able to do it, but right. they're going to need to be trained somehow. So he thought, okay, well, we need some kind of a life size doll. And so he actually uh, enlisted the help of a toy maker named Asmund Lairdal, I think is how you say his last name. And he's the one who chose uh, Les Connus de la Seine because it was just a, a well known image.
1: This is so meta, so, though. Exactly. Like, she's, she's drowned. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm taking away your fire. That was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop talking now.
0: No, no, no. It's good. <laughs> no, I, this is what I want. I want to watch you unravel the way that I did and be like, what?
1: Yes, right. The fact that she's supposed to be a drowned woman and she wasn't drowned, but it doesn't matter. And now people are kissing this <laughs> <laughs> this this woman by this doll, to hopefully save lives, and that's some kind of yeah. romantic meta morbid poetry there.
0: Uh huh. And she has been considered the most kissed woman of all time, which is such a disturbing observation. But it you know that technically that's true.
1: She never asked for this. Yeah. She
0: never asked for this.
1: You know? asked for this. <laughs> no, this is not consensual.
0: And a story uh, that I read in a few different sources, but when I took CPR, I don't remember anybody saying this, but apparently, uh, many a student of basic CPR has been taught to check if a patient is unconscious by gently shaking a doll and calling, Annie. Annie, are you okay, Annie? <laughs> <laughs> that is not <laughs> my experience with
1: CPR. <laughs> the roller coaster ride of this story is. Is taking us to 2020, <laughs> back again, 3,000 years ago, yesterday. Wow. We've been
0: everywhere, man. We've been everywhere. So, so the
1: CPR's name is Annie? CPR, Annie? Yeah,
0: Recessa, Recessa Annie, Recessa or Recessa Ann. She's got a few different names, but yeah. Okay. So now right. you know that's Annie. That's that's the, uh, the unknown woman of the sun. How cool that is, is that?
1: Very cool. That is wild. I cannot believe the connections. In there and how that will back to death masks.
0: Da-da. <laughs> so, uh, moving towards the the end of the episode, I did want to talk a little bit about uh, death masks today. As I mentioned, they have obviously fallen out of favor considerably with the public, uh, yes. and that is again likely due to the fact that we have cameras now, so it's easier to uh, capture someone, and uh, more likely you're capturing them in their life rather than their death. Uh, yes. But there are individuals who actually still make them. Uh, there's actually a really cool uh, CNN article that talked about the history of death masks. And they focused in on this man named Nick Reynolds, who's this really quirky uh, English guy uh, who has actually been commissioned to make hundreds of them. The most famous person I, I think that I recognized was uh, he did Peter O'Toole's
1: death mask.
0: Peter O'Toole was that man? long ago, yeah, not that long
1: ago. And I mean, come on, Peter O'Toole—he was looking great when he I was know. forty. But God, love you. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know how good that man looks. <laughs> <The school experience. laughs> <laughs> oh, he was so handsome in the day, though.
1: He was so handsome and a lovely human. I mean, you know, no shade at all, but yeah. Yeah.
0: So actually, I'm going to very quickly play for you uh, an interview with this guy. So here is uh, Nick Reynolds' death masks. Today everyone's so obsessed with living forever, you know, Botox and fucking facelifts and this, that, whatever, and everyone is airbrushed. People don't want to think about death and so death masks obviously are quite abhorrent to people today because it's a reminder, you know, that death is round the corner. But I think that's the problem with a lot of people, if they just realise you've got one life and you are going to get older, it's inevitable and just fucking accept it and get on with it. I think a lot of people would be much, much happier. I'm trying to repopularise the tradition, which has kind of fallen out of fashion since the advent of photography. Um, I think people miss the potency and the uniqueness um, of Death Mask. And they're tremendous um, tools you know, with fantastic cathartic properties. And you know, when you just lost a loved one, I think they're a great thing to have.
1: A fascinating bloke. It's fascinating. He doesn't give a shit. No, no, it's
0: great. It's so great. And that really just scratches the surface on him, too. Um, He has so many interesting stories. Um, His most famous one is he actually did the death mask of a criminal who was executed in, I believe, Texas. And he did it immediately after the death to the point where he describes the body as still being quite warm. And I think it's when he poured the alginate on
1: the skin. The skin got goosebumps. Whoa! How creepy is that? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, I wouldn't want to work with these dead bodies really at all. Like, it's a, ever. It's a
0: special. It, it's a special kind of person who does any of this. I mean, all those, all those students like having a great time making those death masks at like mortuary school. I'm like, yeah. what? Why?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say I had a mental image before we're talking about law enforcement in the ancient world so i just imagined like a law and order like detective like with a giant with a giant box of like death masks have you seen her you know him what about him oh you know him anybody i got all these cases i got all these death masks got nothing uh i got nothing very like family guy (laughs) gag (laughs) definitely that yes i mean maybe i don't know Uh, i don't know but her nose wasn't cracked Fuck! Blow it down. Throw it away. Oh my
0: god. Um. So, uh, where can you find them? Is the final question that will be something we try to answer in all of our episodes. Is how can you actually go see a a death mask for yourself? Luke, so you said you've you've encountered death masks before. Do you remember what institutions you were at when you saw them?
1: Um. I remember we got we got the Connecticut Historical uh, or the Connecticut History Museum loaned us those masks of Lincoln to the Mm. the college where I was. So I physically got to take care of the loan agreements and handling them, getting close with them. And I just, you know, I would say I, I would offer the sense of like the tactile. Is, mm-hmm. is something that is i think the real allure of the death mask we can talk about photos and videos to the blue in the face but that three-dimensional something you can physically encounter that tangible is really special yes um, i'm trying to think of where else i have seen death masks i mean i've really just done research about them like i know about yeah. joseph smith's death mask and how creepy that is i know
0: that's one of your faves, um, <laughs> <one> of <laughs> faves.
1: And joseph smith related um yeah, so I've I've I don't know where I've seen them in the real world other than in my little experience.
0: Well, I can tell you in oh. in the real world the uh, the largest collections of death masks actually live in Edinburgh's. You, uh, their university has an anatomy museum, and apparently they have quite a few. Ah, uh, yes, so the Scotland, yeah, yes. Ed- Edinburgh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Edinburgh, Scotland Yard's crime museum has oh, quite sure. a few as well, and. Uh, Princeton University has a humongous collection, apparently, some very good ones too, from what I've seen. Mm. Uh, so those are very those are particularly large collections. And then I found that institutions here and there have like a few right my first I first encountered them when I worked at the New York Historical Society. Um, the ones that definitely stuck out to me the most were uh, Aaron Burr because Mm. and he's so hot right now um (laughs) but back then he wasn't quite as popular or famous uh but his nose is like super smushed to one side and now learning all that i have about death mass i'm like did he have a crooked nose in life because i've never read a bio on him or i don't really know much about him as like a person
1: yeah, he died I know, on Staten Island, I know
0: that. Yeah, I know I know the broadest of broad strokes about his life and mostly as it pertains to his relationship with Hamilton. But um yeah, he had a super like crooked bent nose. And now I'm like, wait, was that just how the mask like that's the weight how it's set yeah, yeah, is that just how it's set? <laughs> <laughs> and then that's why he looks all messed up. <laughs> but you should definitely Google it. Google it and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. He almost looks like Will Forte doing a character. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: um, they also had a uh, Samuel Morse in of the Morse code. I
1: love him. Yeah, uh William Tecumseh
0: Sherman. Yeah, a few Oh my few- god, his
1: nose is fucked. <laughs> told you. And poor baby has like an underbite, he has no teeth, clearly. He's just got that like pop like pop He nose.
0: probably had no teeth by then. Oh yeah. That no, was often was... common at the time. Mm-hmm.
1: Ooh, yeah. Poor it's, bastard. Like, it's like this this one comes with its own pedestal. Built into, the, <laughs> built into the death mask neck. That's cool.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they and they also have uh, Lincoln life masks there as well. So, mm. um, yeah, if you are New York City adjacent or local like Luke and myself, uh, that's a great place to go see some. And uh, a more difficult place to get to, but apparently a very cool place that I would love to go to. Uh, it's called the Lorenzi Moulage Dow. Which is, yeah, say that ten times, fast. Uh They've been making casts since the 1870s, so they are actually currently still in business. Wow. Uh, I don't. I didn't get a sense of how often they still do death masks, but they certainly still do busts and statues. Which is also, I don't know if I mentioned this, but that is also a main purpose of a life mask and sometimes a death mask is that it's the beginning of creating something more. Often it's to be turned into a bust or a statue or something like that. Um, So that is this entire business in uh, this suburb of Paris. Uh, And so they've been doing their thing for a really long time. And apparently if you go to this room upstairs in their workshop, Mm. you literally immediately encounter death masks hanging everywhere.
1: Oh boy. It's
0: yeah. So creepy. And that room, they have some really legit ones. They have uh Chopin, Victor Hugo, Robespierre, oh, wow uh, and they have that's where the Beethoven ones are. The hunchback uh, is
1: there, yeah. Na-
0: he's there, <laughs> and uh the man himself, Napoleon.
1: Oh. Napoleon,
0: yeah. So it's a pretty good collection that they're. That's rocking. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, next time you're in Paris, make sure you hit oh, that the up. <laughs> French.
1: Love the Death Mass. They oh, of they're days. very,
0: they're very cool about death too, over <laughs> there in France. Classic. Uh, so yeah, and I have some very cool little uh, videos and links that I could definitely post to social media, so everyone else can take a a fun little journey into the world of Death masks. I have a silly amount of. Uh, resources, but none of which are books because there is no death mask book. So if anybody's interested in writing one,
1: I smell an the opportunity.
0: Time. There is a series of fictional books called death masks. <laughs> and I think it's really just like some really weird crime drama or something. Cause you gotta say like that. Death masks. Death masks. Uh, but yeah, as far as I could tell, there's a lot of books about sort of the more, uh, funereal stuff that we talked about. Cause I feel like there's just so much on ancient civilizations has been written and rewritten and done again and again and again. But this, mm. this part of it was actually had the least research that right. I could find was on the actual death mask as we know it from, you know, really, I guess like the 14th century till now. Wow. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll post I'll post the sources too, but uh, quickly I'll just say great articles from uh, the BBC. Uh, that uh, one in particular was about uh, Recessa Anne and Le Connui, the Mona Lisa of the Seine by Jeremy Grange. That was a great one. Uh, there's a video from New York Magazine's The Cut that's on YouTube, and that actually has two of their ladies uh, from the magazine touring uh, the uh, Lorenzi that I just mentioned before. So you get to, you can actually see footage of what those death masks look like. It's super creeps. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, another wonderful article, The Curious and Gruesome Art of Death Masks by Nick Glass from CNN and that's how I got introduced to uh, Mr. Reynolds. <laughs> he is interviewed <laughs> in that article as well. So much information from the Westminster Abbey uh, website. There's a great death mask episode by Radiolab from a few years back that um, they really focus mostly on uh oui, mm. uh but great, great information there. Uh Penn's uh Penn States Museum. They uh have a magazine called Expedition, and there's they had a really good article uh from volume six, issue three, in Expedition wow. Magazine, circa 2014, uh recreating Roman wax masks, which you know
1: we we do love a collegiate publication
0: that's my that's my friday night
1: folks <laughs>
0: <laughs> just sitting here making how do i wet? convert
1: this pdf i need to read about death masks right now
0: <laughs> oh god so yeah that's just that's some of them and a lot of the um some of the best information actually was coming straight from uh, britannica which is also very informative
1: awesome and well, no, wikipedia you. Thank None. you for this delightful tour <laughs> through history and these death masks was really, really interesting and incredible.
0: Oh, I had the time of my life. Or death. <laughs> my time of my death. <laughs> <face>. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, this has actually sparked something in me and I just, I want to keep diving deeper and deeper into this. Cause I, it's just, I'm so very much interested in, the cultural side of death and Mm -hmm. how different cultures handle it and process it. And it's always very cool to see when we have shared things. And it seems from everything I've discovered that these, this mask thing is, it is
1: one of them. Right. So there you go.
0: We're all different, but we're all the same.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) thank you for joining us at the Morbid Museum. See you next time. Bye. Bye.